Hi, friends and listeners. This is Anna East Eden. You're listening to your home for meaningful and in-depth interviews. Hollywood and Beyond with your host, Stephen Brittingham. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, Stephen. This is Emily Proctor calling you. Hi, Stephen. It's Melissa Anderson calling. Mr. Brittingham, this is Bill Duke. How are you, sir? Stephen, this is Patrick Duffy. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond with Stephen Brittingham. Your home for meaningful and in-depth interviews. For more guest and show news, please visit the all-new website by going to hollywoodbeyond.net. Hi, this is Carrie Mitchum. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond Podcast. You can contact host Stephen Brittingham anytime by email. Send your thoughts or feedback to hollywoodandbeyondshow at gmail.com. Stephen looks forward to hearing from you soon. And now, here's your host, Stephen Brittingham. Welcome, friends and listeners, to another episode of Hollywood and Beyond Podcast. Your home for meaningful and in-depth interviews and conversations. I am your host, actor and writer Stephen Brittingham. Thank you so much for listening. All of you are appreciated. Speaking of meaningful, my special guest today sincerely enjoys being there for others in need and is passionate about offering guidance and encouragement for those seeking to improve their life or achieve a dream. A lifestyle coach a lifestyle expert, as well as a motivational speaker. My guest also has a truly diverse and impressive acting career. Trust me on that. Including time spent in Salem on Days of Our Lives, appearing in over a hundred commercials, voiceover work, and even spent some time modeling in Paris, as well as other locations throughout the world. Gregory Zarian is visiting the podcast today. Some of his acting credits include appearing on television shows such as Criminal Minds, Bones, Revenge, and in HBO's intriguing series, Westworld. I'm a big fan of all of those shows, by the way. He was also the lead in the feature film 86 Melrose Avenue. And... Gregory was nominated for an Emmy for his performance in Venice, the series. I could actually go on and on, but how about we just go ahead and welcome him to the show now. Gregory, uh, thanks so much for joining me today. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond. Thank you for having me, Stephen. I was actually waiting for you to go on and on. (laughs) (laughs) Keep on going. Keep on going. Let me go a little bit. I could, actually, so uh, no doubt about that. Well, it's a pleasure and honor to be speaking with you today, and and thank you so much for um, being interested in in visiting me on the podcast. Uh, Thank you for inviting, and thank you for having me, and of course, um, I'm a fan of yours, so we can um, compliment each other consistently throughout. Well, that sounds pretty good to me. And let me just say in advance, uh, happy summer to you, and I hope you're going to have a safe and uh, enjoyable summer season. Same thing to you. Um, Everybody drink your water, wear your sunscreen, and don't ever forget to say thank you and please. All of that is important. You know what? Gregory, uh, you are from Glendale, California. I actually once lived there early in my acting career. It was the first place I moved to when I arrived to Los Angeles years ago. Uh, has a special place in my heart. Uh, how would you describe your childhood when you look back on it today? Um, you know, I want to. Uh, I will answer that question, but I want to say a fun fact: is my father was the mayor of Glendale. He. Uh, he was um, the first Armenian-American mayor, uh, 16 years on the city council, and still running the longest um, terms consecutive, the longest terms of any mayor, so four terms as mayor. So my father uh, 
my father was a very, very big deal, and the um, train station is named after him, the Larry Darren Transportation Center. Uh, you know, Glendale, it was this sweet little town. That's how I can name it. It was just, you know, I grew up, uh, it's a city, but I, to me it was just this sweet little town. Um, and very family-oriented, very um, very sports-oriented. My brothers and I, my other brothers were big baseball player. My, my twin and I, Lawrence, um, you know, T-ball, Little League. Um, we went to private school. So it was just, you know, our, our parents were immigrants. So we, you know, kicked off the American dream. You know, our father was Armenian. My mother was from Berlin, Germany. And it was... You know, the, where they landed, and they started their family, and, uh, you know, we were uh, we were the five Zarians in the city of Glendale, and it very, very sweet, and I, uh, I was charmed by the city. It definitely has its own mindset. You know, being right next to Burbank, I remember I could look out my apartment window, Gregory, and I could see the elevator going, the lighted elevator outside of the Holiday Inn Express in, in Burbank, going up and down all day long, and especially at night. Just just seeing that was uh, always so mesmerizing to me. You know, I am, yeah, it's the, um, they're, they're sister cities, Burbank and Glendale, and uh, I think it's Burbank, Glendale, Pasadena. And what I really respect about those communities is they really champion each other. So uh, it's a it's a tri city success, you know, because a lot of cities compete, and I think you know inherently, I'm sure they do as well. However, when you have cities that really work together as there's three definite units, but they work together so cohesively. Uh, that's what I grew up in. You know, hey, if I can't do it in Glendale, we'll go to Pasadena. Hey, you know, we're going we're gonna to step on out to um, Burbank, and then above Glendale is La Cañada and La Crescenta. And since my father was so politically involved, I became very familiar with all the local cities. And, you know, they're really just they're very family-oriented. They really, really are. And... Uh, you know, I'm still very, very involved in Glendale, especially the hospital uh, at Venice Health Glendale. And, uh, you know, people I grew up with and have known have never left the city. And if you, here's the truth, Stephen, you know this, if you're born in a city and you never leave and one generation turns into two and then four and then six, obviously something is working. Absolutely. It ha- has a place in your heart. And traditions are You know something. what? It will. I am. And here's another fun fact. Is at Glendale Community College in the science building, there is a room dedicated to my father, and it says to uh, Mayor Larry Zarian and his boys, Vincent Lawrence and Gregory, and we're also inscribed uh, on a huge uh, commemorative fountain in the... Uh, in the, and I want to say the West Wing, in the West Tower of Atlanta, South Glendale. And then one of the waiting rooms was dedicated to Larry, Vincent, Lawrence, and Gregory. So I kind of, through my father and also my own uh, contributions, have left my mark in a college that I graduated from and in a hospital where I've been far too many times. Wow. Well, very impressive. The legacy that your father has left behind and, and now what you do today, because you go beyond acting, you, you know, like you just described, you're doing things in Glendale, but also, um, you know, you're very accommodating to people in, who are sh- in, in their time of need or who are struggling and, and all of the support and encouragement and insight that you provide. That's one of the biggest joys of, of learning more about you before we spoke today, Gregory, was learning all of those layers to your life. Uh, I really appreciate that. You know, I think uh, I'm very much my mother's son. I'm very much my father's son. And, you know, uh, I feel that we all have the capacity to make a difference. I feel that it doesn't take anything off of us to say, hi, how are you? Thank you and please. And I, uh, you know, I truly, truly, truly believe in human kindness and making a difference. And you know, being gracious and, you know, walking in grace and walking in gratitude. And, 
you know, if you're walking down the street and you see a car at a meter and you have a nickel or a dime in your pocket, pop it in. You just save that person 62 bucks. You know what I'm saying? And I think we sure. can all do that. If it's as simple as checking in when, you know, I, I had to be on the phone today for a customer service thing with um, SAG after and I asked the woman, I said, how are you? And she said, how can I help you? And I said, well, I first want to know how are you and how's your day going? And she said, people don't really ask me how my day is. And I said, well, we're not going to continue. And you tell me how your day is. And she said, you know, people are kind of tough today. And she spoke for, you know, a little bit of time. And it was really just nice to make someone's day feel a little bit different because, yeah, did I need insurance information? Sure. Did I get what I needed? Yes. And I also had an experience with somebody that I spoke to for about 10 minutes on the phone. And uh, it, it makes me feel better. You know, when we, I believe that inherently a lot of people can be very self-involved. And here's a lovely uh, tool that was given to me a long time ago. And it's not that I haven't always done it. It's just there's more of a intention behind it is if I ever get self-involved or I'm like, poor me, or what about this, and I didn't get this, is I pick up the phone and I call someone and say, hey, how are you? Once the call is over, Stephen, I forgot about what my, why was I, oh, and then I remembered it, but the intensity behind it was gone. Like I living, I really do my best to live my life being of service. And it can be as simple as asking somebody, hey, how are you? That is a beautiful thing, and it's not very difficult to do. It just takes a little bit of effort on our part. I was raised by my grandparents, as I've shared with you, and my grandmother taught me the importance of please and thank you. And I think one of the biggest things she taught me was uh, a feeling of gratefulness and also displaying that gratefulness to other people, which turns into appreciation, letting people know that you appreciate them. Like you said, just asking that person how uh, the day was going along, it, it can really lift them up. Well, we have no idea what somebody's going through. You know, we truly, truly, you know, we truly don't. We have no idea if somebody's having a great day, a bad day. You know, the, the conversation of mental illness is so apparent and so present. And so, you know, it's, it's not taboo anymore. You know, you have, we have an Olympian named Simone Biles that pulled herself out of competing part of her time in this past Olympics because she mentally wasn't doing well. How great would it be if we all just took a moment to check in to say, hey, how am I? Okay, what's going on? And we really just paid more attention. We asked more questions. We then became a service and asked other people how they were, we are, what's going on. You know, we have, you know, Stephen, you and I have survived the pandemic. We're talking on the phone. A lot of people over, I don't even know the numbers, I don't know, I don't want to say many, but over a million people have died from a pandemic called COVID. You know, uh, suicide is at a rampant rate, especially during COVID and everything was online. You know, I feel that, you know, it's an epidemic is turning into a, a pandemic um, from bullying, from everything. So if you just take a minute and check in and say, hey, how are you? And then when somebody asks, just say, hey, I'm having a hard day. And then when somebody gives you their answer, maybe we can learn something from what they're saying. It's, it's, really, it's really fascinating that if you ask somebody, hey, how are you today? And if they're struggling, they then give you their answer. And it goes a little bit deeper, and then you respond, or even just listening, the beautiful tool of listening, it's just an exchange and an interaction, and it really does shift energy. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing all of that. That is a wonderful insight, and I really appreciate it. Gregory, I would like to uh, ask you about uh, having another family member that might look a little bit like you, because that would be your twin brother. Um, he's not as good looking. Stephen. <laughs> Almost looks like you. Okay, got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is it like to have a twin brother? I mean, it's one thing to have a brother, but um, you know, you know, obviously, there's been mention of the bond that that twins can have. Uh, what is your take on that? Well, 
Uh, it's all I know. You know, I don't, I don't know anything else other than having an identical twin. We have an older brother who is four years older than us. I see. His name is Vincent. Uh, you know, he, it, it's all I know. You know, here's, here's, uh, I have a doctor, um, and, um, he's an identical twin and his twin brother passed away a couple weeks ago. And I had to see him yesterday to take care of something on a, on a foot of mine and it wasn't healing. And I mean, bottom line is that I'm just overworking my foot, but when he walked into the room, he just, you know, he broke down. And, of course, he lost his twin, but with me being a twin, it just gave him the freedom to break down with somebody that gets it. And, you know, if you're not a twin, you can understand it. However, you don't get it. There's this connection. There's this bond. There's this... It's the only thing I know. Um, I was born with a best friend. Uh, I have his back. He has my back. We fight like cats and dogs, and we make up, and we really just love one another. Uh, you know, he is, he's the closest human being I have, and he's my identical twin, and I'm, uh, I'm grateful that we are, um, you know, we get messy. We really get messy, and we want to talk it out. We want to work it out. We want to, um, you know, I'm terribly proud of him. He is a lifestyle expert is, uh, in his own right. He is a regular on the Kelly Clarkson show. He was on, you know, live with uh, Regis and Kathy Lee and then Regis and Kelly for over 15 years. He's on a show here in L.A. called California Live. And then together we are um, the Makeover Twins. So independently we are great and collectively we are a force. And, you know, I think here's one thing I want to say is, you know, there are twins that live together, that date together, that go through all of it together. What I love about my relationship with Lawrence is we have our own individual independent lives and we have each other. So he lives his life, I live my life, and then we interact in each other's lives and it's healthier for us. Well, I always wanted to have a brother or a sister. Uh, I'm an only child, which is uh, a part of the reason why I was raised by my grandparents and even adopted by them. Oh, uh, wow. Well, what was that like? You know, what is very interesting to that experience is that I did not even know that I was adopted for years. I actually thought they were my biological parents. And it came as quite a shock to me at a very young age um, to learn otherwise. How was that for you when you found out that you were adopted? I will tell you this. I kept asking questions about Uncle Steve, which um, I'm referring to, uh, I call him Big Steve, my biological father. And the questions kept going because I just sensed something different about him. First of all, he looked a lot like me. That was one thing. But there just seemed to be this connection. And finally, she told me, uh, I remember she was in the kitchen and she was cooking dinner and she just kind of told me very calmly, matter of factly, and she said it doesn't change anything at all about how they feel about me and, and she reassured me. Uh, I have to tell you though, Gregory, it was the lesson of that things are not always as they seem to appear to be. That was like the first time I learned that lesson was at that moment. And then just a short time later, my grandfather, who I, I called dad, passed away unexpectedly. No warning on the road uh, while on business. And that was a lesson of we can lose people that we love without warning, without a chance to say goodbye, whether we're ready or not. So I learned two very key and important lessons early. I was actually 11 years old when he passed away, going on 12 and that was the first big hurt of my life, no doubt about it. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm sorry that you experienced that. And one thing you said is very paramount. We don't know how much time we have. We don't know if our last I love you or our last goodbye is going to be the last I love you and the last goodbye. We have no idea. So 
what do we do now? You know, I unfortunately have lost both my parents. And Stephen, I don't sit here and think, oh my God, I should have, would have, could have, if I had one more goodbye or one more I love you. And I'm like, I, but I, I was fearless with my parents. I was with both of them when they passed. I, other than time, my mom died over 20 years ago and my dad 10. Um, other than time and them seeing my life and my success and sharing in uh, lives, our lives together, uh, there's nothing that I'm yearning for. You know, I don't, you know, I, I'm grateful because I play, I love hard, I play hard, I'm very clear, if something hurts me, I'll say, you know what, that really hurt me and here's why. And maybe, and maybe I don't know what to say sometimes. However, uh, my slate is clean. And if we just realize that if there's something that is unresolved, fix it, clean it up. Own your side of the street. Hey, I'm sorry I did that. And just say somebody's not ready to say I'm sorry back. At least you know your side of the street is clean. You know, there's only unresolved, I believe, when you didn't say what you wanted to say. And it's not about saying something to make someone wrong. It's about saying how you felt about something, how something left you, and cleaning up your side. I am sorry for this. That hurts me that this happened. Hey, I would have never done this. And all we want to do is tell people that they matter, and hopefully in return we hear from other people that we matter. It's rather simple. I, I, I truly believe it is. We just make it a lot harder. We sure do. And you're so spot on. We don't know how much time we have with people that we love and care about. And it's important to not uh, keep going. I'll just tell someone how I feel tomorrow or next week or next month or next year. One day it may be too late. And I can tell you this, Gregory, the positive uh, way that I look at it is I had 11 years with two wonderful parents. I got to experience what it was like to have a caring and loving dad who never missed any ball games, none, and also helped me uh, develop my own interest in movies. Because uh, back in that time, growing up in the 80s, sometimes it was just whatever was on in the weekends, right? On Saturday and Sunday. And that's how I discovered Robert Mitchum, John Wayne, Richard Widmark, Kirk Douglas, was because he loved those actors and movies. And that really kind of started my own love and interest for acting. I can tell you, Gregory, that um, I'm actually writing a book about my experiences of being adopted, my struggle with grief, especially after losing my grandmother back in 2010, and my return to artistic projects. Um, The title is Memories Left Behind, and when it comes out, I'll be sure to send a copy your way at no charge, of course. Only if you sign it. Yes, sir. You got it. I, I sure will. And, uh, and if you could include the words either handsome and charming and talented, that <laughs> would be great. Hey, I sure will. I'll even try to add one you didn't expect, just to throw you a curve yeah, there. Now, speaking of movies, how did your love of interest you know, for acting develop? Because you're in the back door of Hollywood, Gregory. Did you notice uh, a, a passion for the movies or television or acting at an early age? Uh, you know, here's, uh, it always seemed fun to me. It was never my, it was never like, oh, I'm going to be this great big actor. Uh, I used to, I think, uh, it kicked off when I was, um, 15. I was a regular dancer on the dance show, American Bandstand. I was on there for about five years. I, uh, I brought my twin along. And so you... You get to learn what it's like to have a camera, dance on TV, you know, get get recognition. And it was very, very fun. And then, uh, you know, my, my acting journey started, uh, I was working at a department store. Somebody said, hey, are you an actor? I said, sure. Next thing I know, I was on Days of Our Lives. <laughs> you should Salem. Wow. I went straight to Salem. Uh, I was on there for months. And the truth was, I wasn't ready. And, uh. It, so you didn't have any, like, acting classes, right? Or had you taken a few? Like in high school, you take an acting class for a yeah. semester, but it was for my, you know, my twin Lawrence, he was the one that was the actor of the year at Glendale High. He was actor of the year at Glendale College. Oh, wow. Academy of Dramatic Arts. And for me, it was like, 
I was a jock. I was a runner. I <laughs> Yes, uh, you're very I, athletic. Uh, I noticed uh, all the things that I, you were able to do. I, you know, I really just got involved in all of that. And, you know, the truth was, is I wasn't very good. And I was taken off the soap opera uh, because I wasn't very good. And that was expressed to me. So I disappeared for a couple of years. I went to Europe. I modeled in Paris and Milan and Germany. And I, you know, I needed to grow up because I was given this great opportunity. And it wasn't that I abused the privilege and I didn't pay attention to what the great gift was. I just... I shifted the narrative and I've turned it into the truth of, I just wasn't ready, you know, and I came back and I have worked my behind off and I have gone to class and I've studied and I have received a million rejections. And, you know, the beautiful part of life is, uh, yeah, as we approached the Emmys uh, two years ago, um, right when COVID hit, I was pre-nominated and then nominated for um, a daytime Emmy. And I was able to reach out to the woman that didn't feel I was that good and share with her that I was so grateful to her because she changed my tra- trajectory of life. It's like, if you want to be good in the business that you choose, you have to work. And I work really hard at what I do. And, you know, every... Every part is a commitment. Every every job is an experience. You know, sometimes you get the caliber of Westworld, which is, or or the series I was the Stars Network uh, counterpart, where you're flown to Germany and you spend a summer in Germany, and you know you you know it's like a Disneyland Magic Kingdom ticket. You go straight to the front of the line and you get everything. Another job may be $125 a day for 18 hours. And it's mm. just as much Disneyland. It's just yes. you have to wait in the ride a little bit longer. And, <laughs> yes. Wonderful you know, perspective. Great. And uh, I am grateful for all of it and any of it. And I have tons of scars to prove it. And, you know, I wouldn't change it for the world. And I got to say to this woman, you changed my life. Thank you. And uh, she was very touched. And, uh, you know, I think life is we're all in school. Every day is a, a day in school. And how are we going to... Um, what are you going to do in school today? And uh, I'm grateful for the career I have. I'm grateful for everyone that has chosen me, and I'm extremely grateful for everyone that has said no to me because it's kept me here. You know, Gregory, we have a lot of similarities, if you don't mind me mentioning. Of course, please. Tell me uh, what they uh, are. I'll just give you an example. I-, I loved how you said that even the lower paying but maybe even longer hour jobs as an actor in the industry can still be equally as rewarding as the higher paying, shorter hours. I, I love that because that's my mindset as well. Uh, I-, I was a-, a background extra on a film called A Rage in Harlem directed by Bill Duke. I actually started as a stand-in. And they said, you know, you seem to be enjoying yourself so much. How would you like to be in a few scenes? So that's how that happened. Well, uh, the final day of shooting had lasted morning, afternoon, all night into the next morning. And all the extras was sleeping on the floor near this train station terminal. And Bill Duke and a few of his assistants walked by and he stopped and looked at me and said, you're the only one still smiling around here. <laughs> love that? What's that? No, I said, don't you love that? Oh, absolutely. I, I, it made me smile even more that he even noticed that. And I've always, um, I've always cherished that moment. It was a, a, a nice moment. And I, that's just how you know, I feel. The, just to be grateful to be a part of an artistic project and production. Uh, I'm definitely one of those team player mentality folks, and you sound like you are as well, for sure. You know, I am. Here's here's what's great about life is I was on. A, I mean, I mean, um, uh, I did a, a hostage thriller uh, a couple of years ago that came out last year, 86 Melrose Avenue, and yes, uh, it is a multi award winning film. It's about mental health. It's about a. An, an army vet who has a PTSD break 
And he storms in our gallery, and he takes all of us as hostages. Mm. And probably some of the hardest work I've ever done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the gentleman that I was working with, uh, Dade Elza on 86 Miles Avenue, he wrote a version of Scooby-Doo called Mystery Incorporated, and he said, hey, would you like to be Shaggy's dad, Sheriff Sam Rogers? And I thought, sure. Fast forward to, it has close to 2.5 million views. And it is, was number one on YouTube. It was doing better than in shows on the CW and other TV outlets, um, the uh, ratings through IMDb. So it goes back to what you said, you have no idea. And we're going to start filming episode two in about a month. So you have no idea. You have, you know, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about saying thank you and please, hi, how are you? Um, never taking anything um, for granted. And uh, there's just simple rules that we can all live by. And I think sometimes we forget and we just need to be open-minded and be reminded of how lucky we can be uh, and how fortunate we can be with... Uh, being kind, saying thank you, saying please, and uh, just being a good guy, you know. Spread kindness around, and no doubt about it. Uh, exactly. And you know, Gregory, I was just thinking, if we go back to the the story of, of Days of Our Lives and, and, and why you had to exit the show and, and all of that, you know, the, 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 for someone listening who may not be aware, many out there listening might be, but for those who aren't, you know, daytime television is a very, very challenging medium that really requires, I think, an, an extraordinary amount of preparation with the, with the amount of lines and, and, you know, just really being on top of things. Um, I assume that that had a lot to do with it. I mean, was it something that was just rather overwhelming for you that there was just all of this responsibility and, and you just hadn't had enough training for it? Sure. You know, I, I just, yeah, I was a kid. I wasn't yes. ready. There's, there is a lot of responsibility behind it. There is a lot of prep. And, you know, you're given 30 pages to read, memorize in one night. Yeah. And, you know, I believe some of our finest actors are the ones on daytime. And for a long time, people used to make fun of daytime. Uh, there are shows that are Fifth General Hospital, which I was very much to be part of as well. Yes. And around 55 years. Wow. Um, how many other series? I think the longest running soap, daytime, um, primetime show we have now is Grey's Anatomy going into it. Um, mm-hmm. 18. And it's very different. Daytime is on a, let's get this down. And when I was doing it compared to when, where it is now, it's just changed. And it's great schooling. It's great connection. It's, you know, memorization is, um, you have to study to memorize. You know, it's, it's, it's a muscle that the more you do, the better off you become. And uh, I am forever grateful for my daytime experiences. You know, the, the Emmy that I was nominated for, it's a digital soap opera. It's a love story. It's uh, same, same genre. Uh, some of daytime's best. Uh, it was written by Crystal Chappelle. Oh, uh, yes. Very talented the, uh, lady. Very uh, Emmy Award winning. She used to be on Days of Our Lives, Guiding Light, When Life to Live. She then was part of the first female-female um, love story on uh, in New York City, uh, CBS. And when One Life to Live and Guiding Light went off the air, she took the, the crux of the love story and created Venice's series. And we start shooting season seven in a couple months. So it's... You know, it's it's a genre that keeps on going, and now that we mm-hmm. have the internet, it's an it's a thriving a, th- a thriving place where people can go and get their uh, their their little fix of love story. You know, love story in life. So many talented folks working in daytime television, just so many that I admire and respect. Now, is this show that you're referring to, that you were also nominated for, is this available on YouTube, or is it another uh, platform? It is. Um, 
Yes, you can go to the website venisthesseries.com. The first, I want to say, one to three seasons are available on YouTube, and then uh, three to six are available on Vimeo. Um, And it's just, you know what it is? It's just, you know, we all want to love, and it's the ups and downs of a love story. And, you know, I'm really, really, really proud to be part of this love story. You know, there is, um, you know, I believe in the world there's such a focus on um, gay and straight, or is it, what was, is it, is it, is it black or white or Asian and Hispanic? And I think it's so important to discuss culture and nature and, and who we are and where we come from. However, bottom line is, a love story is a love story, and how lovely it just has a few more colors. You know what I'm saying? It, I sure it, do. It just, it makes, you know, we all love. Who do you yes. love? Why do you love them? And does our color really matter? It doesn't. So it's, you know, this, this great story about two lovely women doing what they do and going through the ups and downs of love, and it happens to be two women. You know what I'm saying? I don't, sure, I don't, sure. It doesn't have to be focused on... Well, is it gay or is it straight? Why does it matter? It's a love story. Well, I'm looking forward to viewing this series. I just want to let you know that. No, I want you to view the series, and then please feel free to call me back and tell me what you thought. You can count on it. Thank you for that generous offer. And I will share with you, Gregory, that please. when I first arrived to Los Angeles as a young man many years ago, you know, I don't know if this will surprise you or not. People I've spoke to tell me that no one has ever told him this, like an actor coming to L.A., in particular a writer friend of mine. He's like, I've never had an actor ever say that. And that was, I actually came to Los Angeles in the hopes of working on a Bill Bell production. So that's The Young and the Restless or The Bold and the Beautiful. And the reason really was that I found him to be a master storyteller. He was so invested with the production of the show. Just wonderful storylines and that was what brought me to los angeles so i wanted to share that with you that i I have a a fondness for for daytime television even today uh you know i love that and bill bell it takes but it also goes back to when somebody says i wanted to be on an aaron spelling show you know when you have your hand that deep in a genre of storytelling and you are so successful it would be a dream for you and me, or an actor, to be on one of their shows. Absolutely. And isn't it interesting, Gregory, that I was just thinking about that the other day. The people like William J. Bell, uh, Aaron Spelling, like you mentioned, but also you could add David Chase from The Sopranos, or Leonard Katzman from Dallas. Isn't it interesting that those type of shows had someone so passionately invested uh, I mean, I think it had a big, big impact on the results. You know, it did, and I storytelling was important to them. Yes, you know, story. Yes. But there's a lot of who's, who's the gentleman now that does. Uh, yes. Uh, who does Yellowstone? Um, I want to say Taylor Patterson. I, I want to definitely. I think that's his name. Lots of. Um, passionate people out there still just wanting to tell a great story and you know uh, the people that Lisa Joy Nolan and her husband Jonah Nolan who uh, have done the reboot of Westworld who were my bosses it's just going so above and beyond in their storytelling and that we as viewers become riveted so I am there's an art to it there's a magic to it you know even if somebody comes out and does a show and it doesn't make it, you had a dream and you told a story. Yes. I think it's all very, very exciting to me and um, inspiring. And then, you know, especially with where we are now, um, the storytelling is so different. And with all the places we can go to see stories, I mean, it's it's a good time to be a creative. You know, look at you. You're you're still an actor and a writer, and you now have a podcast. So it's in your blood and in your uh, it's your passion. 
Well, thank you, Gregory. I appreciate that. Um, I did think of something I'd love to ask you about. Was when you were modeling, right? In Paris and whatnot. You know, after your Days of Our Lives experience, you could have just kind of kept in modeling or kind of went down that sort of path. Was there some reason you decided to go back to acting? Well, modeling is acting. Every frame is a story. You know, I believe a great model. I think I believe a great model is is a great frame. I don't. I when I, I still model, I'm very um, lucky. I'm with. Uh, You're very Ellen. photogenic. <laughs> there it is. Thank you. Uh, I feel that uh, you know it's uh, it's storytelling. You know, it's it's that's me, a beautiful uh, answer. Meeting uh, my fake wife and fake children and us creating a story. <laughs> it's it's. You know, I believe that you look at an image and you're like, wow, that moves me. And, you know, I take it so literal. So if I'm on a modeling job, to me, it's it's rehearsal. You know, the only difference between a, a, a great print ad and a um, acting job is in one, I keep, it's, it's moving pictures. The other one, it's a still image. But we still want to tell a great story. So I, I believe that when I am hired to do catalog or on a suit or do any of that. Everything needs to be in the eyes. Um, I want you to wonder what I'm thinking, what I'm doing, what I'm guessing. Uh, it's the same. It's the same for me. It really is. I, if I'm getting paid, and even if I'm not getting paid, even now we have to do um, self-tapes and auditions, you, the client or the casting director is asking me to say something in an image, in an audition, in a little setup, in a slate, in all of it. So if for anybody that's listening and they're like, hey, I want to step you know, from modeling into acting, it's the same thing, just the difference to some level is. Mm-hmm. I, I love that answer. That That's just a great answer. It, you. You're absolutely right. The more I think about it, the, when you see a certain look, you know, and a certain, um, you know, uh, response to a photo or a print job you know what it's not just a photographer it's also the talent and yeah that's that's a beautiful answer i really like that thank you my pleasure well before i ask you a few more questions about your decision to be a life coach and a motivational speaker i did want to ask you you know i'm a huge fan of westworld I'd, i'd love a show and series that takes you on an emotional journey i just those are some of my favorite. That makes me feel all kinds of things. Um, what was that experience like for you? It was one of the most exciting jobs I've ever had. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I was on the TV show Counterpart, and we shot um, in LA studios. And when I was hired to be on Counter on uh, Westworld. My first day back was in the same studio that I shot Counterpart, so it was kind of like coming home. Um, you know, I got to work with Tessa Thompson, Vincent Cassell. Um, mm. I was in really intense scenes. Yes. And they are act- <laughs> they, they, they're actors, actors. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but when you're acting, and sometimes there's a close-up of me, and then they'll do a reverse on the person I'm talking to or whatever. A lot of the times on big shows, they will give the lead the close-up, and then once the lead's close-ups are done, they will then send in her double so you're not even playing your part back with the lead. What was so lovely about Tessa Thompson and Vincent Cassell is they are actors, actors. Tessa one day wasn't feeling great, but she still was there to give me my eyeline to do pickups to redo a scene, Vincent Cassell, um, Academy Award-nominated French actor, he was in The Swan, uh, he was so generous that he changed his direction of movement as he was delivering his monologue, and it included me and more in the frame. So it basically made my part bigger. And it wasn't that I had a small part, I had a great you know, two-episode part, but it just included me more. It was a very gracious gesture by a very well, a very successful actor. So what was that? 
Westworld were like, it was magical. It was amazing. Um, I got to be part of TV history. And the beautiful part about all of it is I'm really good friends with Richard Benjamin, um, who's married to Paula Prentice, uh, who was in, he was in the original Westworld movie with James Borland and Yul Brynner. Oh, wow. That is so amazing. Uh, so for anybody that's never watched the show, season four uh, comes back this weekend. I was hopeful to come back. It didn't happen. Um, but who knows? Maybe season five. <clears throat> Pardon? Maybe season five. You know what? I'm going to hang my hat on that. <laughs> We're going to say season five together, Stephen. Yeah, I'd be all for that. Oh, thank you for sharing that. I, I really appreciate that. And, and, and I have to ask, because I can't help myself, another emotional journey type uh, program that I loved was Revenge. Any story from uh, your time on the, uh, Revenge? You know, this is my story. Uh, I got to um, work with a great gentleman named Anil Patel. And he, I'm sorry, that's so wrong, Anil Kumar. And we have become lovely, lovely friends. But here's what I want to say, back to great actors. I uh-huh. got to set at 5 a.m. I was part of a very big plot twist. Hmm. And um, I'm on set. I go straight to hair and makeup. And right out of the blue, a hand comes across. And she says, good morning, my name is Madeline Stowe. And I said, good morning, Madeline. My name is Gregory Herring. We end the day with her and I doing a scene, and we're talking 18 hours later. I don't She's Madeline Stowe. Pages and pages and pages and pages of dialogue. Mm. She's in every scene, and 18 hours later, she looks at the director, and she said, am I giving Gregory his eyeline here or over there? And I thought, what a class act. 18 hours later, she remembered my name, and she wanted to make it as perfect for me. And there's a lot of people that, you know, there's shows I've been on that I have been dismissed, I've been ignored. Um, I'm not going to say names, but there's one actor that was just horrible to me on a huge Golden Globe Emmy-winning series. And um, it was dismissive. I don't want to say mean, but just kind of like I was in his way, and he needed me because we were working together. So to get mm-hmm. someone like that, and then also Emily Van Camp, uh, amazing, oh, yes. amazing, amazing people. I I got to tell her that I had a crush on her. <laughs> well, too bad you didn't know me at back then, Gregory, because you could have uh, also, if you didn't mind, uh, mentioning that I as well had one, so... <laughs> well, you know what? I will send her a note on social media and be like, okay, there's somebody else that really crushes on you. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, she is definitely a, a, I don't, a, a unique beauty, uh, just really beautiful and so talented. I mean, I loved her performance in Revenge. I, I cannot say enough. Brothers uh, and sisters. Oh, there you sisters? go. Yes. She Come was already on. great on that. You are spot on about that. So, yeah, I, I'm very, very lucky. I have the privilege to work with some really lovely, lovely people. It sounds like they are lovely people, and I really appreciate you sharing those intimate details with me. Well, on to the life coach. I, I just wanted to ask you, are the, the people that reach out to you, are these people mostly within the industry, outside the industry, or is it just really a mixture of people reaching out to you? Um... Quite a bit of industry, and it's also a mixture. You know, we, we, you know, this is how I life coach. I set it up with, you know, life is rather simple. You either do it or you don't. They either do it or they don't. It either happens or it doesn't. The rest is a conspiracy theory. You know, we hang on to so much of what doesn't happen, what's not a fact, and we're so afraid of what isn't so. And we're afraid not so much to go for what we want. I feel that we're more afraid of somebody's reaction. And what I love about being a life coach is I see people transform within the blink of an eye. 
I get to do some really simple things or lovely things about giving an adjustment. You know, I, I've worked with thousands of people in the audience and I've worked with five people in the audience. And, you know, when you get to see someone stop in their tracks and not think and just do, it's a beautiful moment. There's this one young lady that wanted to model and <clears throat> I was at a modeling convention and we were in front of hundreds of people and she was on stage and I said, you know, what are you afraid of? And she said, everyone's looking at me. And I said, they are. And I said, what do you, what, why are you afraid? She said, I'm worried about what they're thinking. And I said, why does it matter what they're thinking? She said, well, you know, and I said, I don't know what they're thinking, but even if I did, it's not my business. And her eye, her eyes widened. She blinked. There was a sense of calm in her reaction. And I said, now that you don't care what people think, let's just cut to the chase. You are 5'10", you're blonde, you're 16, you're beautiful. Everyone is looking at you. I mean, you're two eyes looking at everybody else. You have over a thousand, of, a thousand eyeballs looking at you. So let's make this about you. And let me see you walk down the runway, not worry about what people think. Stephen, she turned around after walking down that runway, sobbing, not out of fear, out of freedom. Wow. Life, you know. Out of freedom. So that's what I get to be a life coach for. You know, Lawrence and I, as I was saying earlier, we get to make over twins, and this one twin was so afraid to get a makeover because she thought her twin wouldn't love her anymore. You know, they, they were really cute and they had um, blonde children like hair and they were in their late 40s, 50, early 50s. And she told me this because Lawrence would do the, um, the clothing and the hair and the makeup and I would do the makeover on the inside. And I said, have you ever asked your sister? She said, no, 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 I'm too afraid. And I said, afraid of what? She said, what if she doesn't love me anymore? And I said, well, why don't you ask? So she said, hey, do you mind if I dye my hair red? I've always wanted to be a rocker. And the twin said, hey, do you mind if I cut my hair? They were both living in this story that was not true. Hmm. And they got their life back that day. It was really beautiful. I tell you what, that is beautiful. And it reminds me of something that I've just been focusing on so much recently is that, you know, being true to your own heart, even if not everybody understands why, it just opens so many windows and doors and avenues for you. Um, and that's something that I do and brings me comfort whenever I'm involved with artistic projects or, or about to take a chance and, and on something. And, and, and your story reminded me of that. So thank you for sharing that. Well, that's a great thing. Don't think, just do. Don't think, do just do. <laughs> I like that. Well, yeah, what do, you, what do you get out of overthinking it? You get insecure. Just, just take a step. It can be harmful, you know? can't it? Just, just letting that cloud of overthinking just uh, dictate terms. You know, I, I call it meant this. I can say anything, right? Uh, I call, absolutely. Um, overthinking mental masturbation. Got it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's pretty clear. I don't, you know, the, do I call, don't I call, don't I call, do I call, do I call, should I, you know, with dating? They didn't text me. Did they text me? Are they going to call? Pick up the phone and call. You know, my nephew was 14 and he was, uh, he's newly dating and, he was like, I just don't know if I have to pick up the phone and call her. And then, you know, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. I'm like, I'm exhausted. Stop. You're 14. If you want to say hi to somebody, well, what if, what if she thinks I'm too much? And I said, then maybe she's not the right 14-year-old for you. One day, somebody's not going to think you're too much. I mean, I don't invite you to stalk her, but you know what I'm saying? It's right, just, right. We spend so much time wondering what everybody thinks. We sure do. Just, why don't we spend that much time just being present, 
slowing down if we have a question, checking in, and then making a choice. And here's the great thing, too, is you don't have to decide today. If you don't know what to do, do it in 10 minutes. Do it in an hour. Do it in a, hey, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'll do it tomorrow. You know, we don't have to decide quickly because then if we make a choice that we don't like or we're not happy with, you then have to clean up your, your choices. And then it's it just, it's, I, I feel it's just a lot easier than we give it than, than it is. Well, I'm really enjoying listening to your wonderful insight. And I really uh, want to thank you for sharing all that you have. If someone is listening out there and, and would like to learn more information about the topics you've mentioned, I assume that your website's a great place to start. It's a fantastic website. Thank you. Uh, everyone can find me on the website, gregoryzarian.com. I'm also available uh, with the same handle on Twitter, at Gregory Zarian, on Instagram, at Gregory Zarian. And to make it even easier... My email is gregory at gregoryzarian.com. You know, we need to become, you know, we need to be there for, if we can all just realize that we are all in this together, you know, I believe the world has turned to this. You know, children are dying. You know, people are losing their homes. People have, we are surviving a pandemic. Mm. If we can all just realize how much we need each other, it'll just be an easier experience. And at the end of the day, all you did was be of service to someone else. Wow. I'm all for that. Most definitely I am. And and Gregory, I just have to say to you um, that I have enjoyed speaking with you so very much. Is it too soon for me to invite you to come back again down the road and hopefully soon? No, can I tell you? I would love that. I feel like we've uh, we've just skimmed the surface, and you know, I want to say thank you to you for having a platform where I can come, and also being present and honest with me, and sharing your story. Because a lot of people, are, you know, a lot of people are just afraid to share. So the fact that you have indulged me as well with your history and your story, quote unquote. Uh, It's been very delightful, and I really, really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Gregory. The feeling is completely mutual. And I tell you what, this is so interesting to me. If you don't mind, I will quickly read a post I put on uh, Facebook a couple hours before speaking with you. And here's what I put. Mental health issues and topics are very much needed these days and are so important. I am making an effort to have more of these topics highlighted on the podcast. Many of my guests have shared challenges and obstacles, disappointment and setbacks, while also emphasizing their achievements and the ways they move forward. Be on the lookout for more discussions revolving around self-care issues on upcoming episodes of Hollywood and Beyond. And I feel like you represent exactly what I was hoping uh, to do um, stated in the post earlier today. You know, that's a lovely post. And one I just want to end it for me with this is, you know, your people, to your listeners and to all of us, you're never alone. You are not alone. You have, you know, if you or someone you love is suffering, uh, there are people out there for you. Uh, you know, if you're questioning your sexuality or who you are and what you're about, it's Trevor Live. It's There's an amazing organization I work with called uh, Free to Love. You know, there are many avenues and outlets that we have. We just need to, we just need to ask more. We need to say, hey, I'm alone. I'm, a, I'm afraid. You know, now we have, you know, on your phone, you hit 988. It's a mental health hotline. Someone is there all the time. Um, you don't have to be alone, and how lovely that we know that we are not alone. And if you're afraid or scared, reach out to me, reach out to the people at Free to Love, reach out to Stephen, reach out Absolutely. to someone. Because all we are doing is screaming, saying, hey, I'm afraid. Well, I'm going to follow your lead and say, in addition to Gregory... 
anybody listening, you're more than welcome to reach out to me as well at Hollywood and Beyond Show at gmail.com. Gregory and I would be more than happy to uh, read whatever you're sending and and do all that we can to uh, be there for you and and show support. Gregory, this has been a, a true delight. I, I've had so much fun. I'm very inspired. And um, I just have to say, please, please come back soon. And we can talk about all kinds of topics. We can even pick a main theme and, and have an in-depth discussion. And thank you so much for visiting me. Such a pleasure. Thank you so, so much, Stephen. And again, thank you for all that you do. Because uh, you make a difference. So very proud to be here. Hollywood and Beyond podcast is produced, edited, and hosted by Stephen Brittingham. Thank you for listening.